Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. How are you guys doing tonight? It's a little bit brighter than I'm used to, but uh, uh, a super packed house for Sunday evening. Um, as you guys know, we've, we started a series last week, and we talked about it this morning, and, and I felt last week went really well, but I extended a challenge to you guys um, a couple weeks ago that we wanted to try and bring people in, and we want to try to do a little more outreach and make Sunday evening look a little bit different. And my challenge to you guys was to bring somebody new. Bring one of your coworkers or, or your sons or daughters or, or a, a spouse or, or whoever it is um, that may need to hear just kind, loving words and may need to see how the, uh, the um, Christian religion operates. And I see some new faces in the crowd. Um, I've seen a ton of new people online. So I feel like that's going really well. But, but the point of that and what we're looking at in the series is we're looking at the character of Jesus and how he loved others. And I think that's just a really inspiring way to show people our theology as Christians, right? Because the world tells us one thing about who we are. The world tells, and and consequently, other people hear that and it can be a turnoff to religion, right? Because the world tells us that Christians are judgmental and Um, Our foundations are built on something, and it's just contradictory to the way Jesus acted. So what we've kind of strove for, is that a word, strove? What we have strived for, um, at least once a Sunday, if you guys are new, I make up a word. Um, But what we've tried to do is paint a beautiful picture on the character of Jesus, right? Because Spoiler alert, our foundations as Christians and everything we believe on stems from the actions and the teachings of Jesus. So um, just something I really wanted to start and, and I'm, I'm really pleased about how it kicked off last week. Um, so if you have your Bibles with me tonight, open up to John chapter 13. Um, we're gonna be in, in John 13 and it's gonna be an interesting kind of topic tonight because what we're going to see is, is Jesus in his last night on earth, in his last moments, um, and his, some of his last interactions with the people that he led, um, the people that he loved, things like that. We're going to see his actions and, and how even to his death, Jesus went out loving and serving people. And it's going to be a great reminder to us um, about the power of how we love others. And we're going to talk, get a little sciencey. I know um, Michelle and I, uh, we love to talk about um, Michelle Weldon, if you guys don't know her online. We spent a lot of time this past week talking about psychology, and we like to talk about, like, what makes people tick? And, um, like, I could never serially kill people, right? But I'm interested in, in how a serial killer ticks. So, and, and just things like that. But what is the psychology behind Christianity? And we're going to look at a couple things like that. And the ultimate question we're going to look at is like, what does it mean to love people? And, and what we're going to see is Jesus' last actions, until the second he died, he went out loving people. Um, and serving people and doing all of these great things that don't get talked about 
when we talk about modern Christianity. So I'm gonna send a question to you guys. Because we, what we're gonna see is, the, is the, the talk about the Last Supper tonight and how Jesus served his disciples. What do you guys do or how do you act when something is hanging over your head? Right, like maybe you have a big test tomorrow if you're a student or maybe you have a meeting with your boss you're not looking forward to or presentation. I know like for me, and a lot of people don't see this, but Sunday, like Sundays are a weird time for me because um, I went from a period of consuming to actually teaching. And Sunday evenings quite a bit hang over my head. Um, I have to kind of reel it in because like during Sunday morning, I try my best to um, be at church and not be working or not be thinking about this evening. But I know for me, like even that is a great example that like Sunday evening, I'm constantly thinking about it, especially like Friday evening till Sunday evening when it happens. And I find it amazing in this story that um, with this brutal, vicious death that's about to happen to, to Jesus, who was innocent, by the way, um, he's, still a, he's still able to remain level-headed, and he's still loving and serving people, right? So um, just think about that. Like, What would you be doing if, if you knew you were at your final dinner? You knew you were at your time of death. And think about the love that must go into um, those actions, if you have that hanging over your head and you are still able to serve and love others. So real quick, if you have your Bibles, open with me to John chapter 13. I kind of painted the picture for you, but we'll, we'll start off here in verse one. It says this, it was just be before Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the very end, like I just said, right? And I love this, and I pause at this part because I, right here, Jesus shows exactly what it means to love, right? What does love mean to you guys? Because, and we talked about this last week, but I threw that word around like, hey, what does love mean to you guys? Because I think we tend to use that word wrong, right? Like, I love football. I love Adam Sandler movies. I love my horse, things like that. But do you really? Like, what does it mean to deeply and emotionally and, and sometimes physically love something? Um, there's usually some sort of spiritual connection. So what you see here is that, again, with all of this stuff hanging over his head, it says that Jesus t chose to um, love. He loved till the very end. So what does it mean to love? Because there's a couple examples, and I wrote a paper on this when I was in college, um, and this is thrown around quite a bit, but essentially, depending on who you ask, there's nine forms of physically, or uh, not physically, of um, texturally defined love, um, or seven, um, or, or whatever. Most people will tell you different numbers. At most, there's nine, but it comes down to three um, kind of categories of love. And these are all Greek meanings, right? Which is important because we know that um, most of the Old Testament is written in Greek. Um, so there's three types of love. Euros, philia, um, and agape. Anybody heard those words before? Um, so euros. Euros is a type of love and, and it means like a romantic, passionate love, right? 
a love you would feel towards your significant other, hopefully. Um, but it's that love you get when you, when you see like a beautiful woman or a handsome man and um, you just feel that for them, like for your significant other, right? It, it, it can lead to um, sexual type feelings and all of that stuff, but it's kind of a passionate love. Um, the other type of love of the main three that we can define is called philia. Words sound familiar to any of you guys? It means brotherly love. That's where we get the, um, the uh, name Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. So it's this idea that, um, that like anybody have like an awesome best friend that they just love? Um, and, and us guys are really bad at it, but there's usually somebody in your life, an acquaintance or somebody close who has your soul that you just have a love for, but you don't love them like you love your wife or your kids or anything right like that. That's usually philia, which is a, a, a brotherly type of love, right? One thing I love about that and like this, this philia love, I've gotten at Save the Cowboy probably more than anywhere else, maybe even the firehouse. Um, it's just great, friendly love. Like, that's, that's a connection I have with Mitch. Um, it's a connection I have with my guys at the firehouse. Um, and it's an awesome type of love, but it's not all-encompassing. And then the third type of love um, we call agape, right? And this is the love we see with Jesus. It's, it's a universal, deep, um, unconditional type of love. It doesn't exist very much, right? Like, we talked about this last week. Who loves somebody unconditionally in this room? Who do you love, Mitch? Uh, right? This is, this is a love that is very, very rare. I would say most people have this type of love for their children. Uh, most people have this type of, uh, of love, and I, I really don't think it extends further than that. Like, um, I, I don't think you have this type of love as strong for your partner, um, but this is the love that Jesus and God have for us. And I think that's super important. Like, it is an unconditional love that is only found um, through a relationship with God. And the beautiful thing about it is it's given freely. We talked about this last week, right? Like, the beautiful thing, and, and we live in a world so devout of love, or do we? We live in a world that, you know, especially us Christians that understand this is, is that love is so freely available in this world. What we're going to find is the problem is, is it's free. We just don't want to accept it or know how to accept it. But agape, as we go through this, keep in mind, is the love that is available to us from Jesus. It's all-encompassing. It's deep. It's universal. It's unconditional. And I think that's amazing for a couple of reasons. Um, the biggest and, and, and the reason I think I love Jesus so much is that, like, I don't deserve it. That type of love for a bozo like me, um, I just don't deserve that, right? It's, it's, um, it, it, it's amazing, right, to love something like that when people don't deserve it. And that is just the most pure type of love that I can think of. When you love somebody and they don't deserve it, think about how deep your connection is with that person. It's different, right? But that's what is available to us. So this brings me kind of to point number one, and we're opening fast here. I know you, you guys love it. We call things love that are not in fact love. We use that word so much that we almost do like a boy who cried wolf thing with love. 
Agree? Perfect. Um, what I mean with like a boy who cried wolf thing is, is and this is gonna be a challenge that I extend to you guys, is we shouldn't overuse words that we do not mean. We tell people we love them for like various reasons and um, sometimes we have good intentions, sometimes we don't, like we've all been through that kind of stuff. But we need to stop overusing that word if I can be frank with you guys. Like we shouldn't shouldn't be saying we love things that we don't have um, connections to. Because what is love? Number one, I'm gonna tell you guys that it is a spiritual connection to something most likely to someone. I don't personally believe that you can love something that doesn't have a soul. Like I can say I love football, but do I really? You know what I mean? Probably not. But I love my nieces and nephews and I love my brothers and I love Mitch and Kevin and I love you guys, right? Because we have a spiritual connection to each other. There's something in there that is deeper than our skin, um, deeper than the, the matter in which we um, present ourselves. That's the real agape spiritual type of love. Stop saying we love things that we do not love. Don't tell somebody you love them if you do not love them, right? That would be highly unchristlike. So, um, and, and that's something I'm big about. Like, I, I do not tell people I love them if I do not love them. So if you hear I love you from me, like I mean that deeply because I don't think um, love is something to be played around with. Um, the, thinking about this today and preparing actually this afternoon for the sermon, I thought about like, do you want to know the power of loving somebody? I find it in this. That you can love somebody, they can, they can pass away, go on, and that love is still there. What other emotion do we feel that with people? Like all of us in here in this room have a loved one that we still have a love, deep, um, intentional love for that hasn't been around probably for a long time. That, my friends, is, is the power of loving people, right? It doesn't die. It's available in this universe because of the sacrifice that was given for us, and that's like an agape type love. So let's go on. Point number one. Make sure we define the things we do or do not love in our lives and make sure we're not overusing that word um, because it's really deep and Jesus had to die to give you that, that type of love. Um, and, and when we look at it through that lens, we start to understand, okay, this is the power of loving each other and what's going on. So let's go on in verse number two here. It says this, the evening meal was in progress And the devil had already prompted Judas, we know that story, right? The son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from his mill, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. How gross, right? I think, and I love this about Jesus because the best way to serve people is just to do things that are so disgusting and below you for them that it kind of shows how much you love them. I think feet are gross. Like most of my life, and people that live with me can attest to this, if I'm not in the shower, then I have socks on. So to go wash these like nasty guys, like 
these hairy, dirty dudes who have been walking around in sandals um, all day takes a lot, right? What a service that Jesus is doing there. But that's the interesting thing about Jesus is that Jesus showed his love more often than not by serving others. Something we should be emulating, right? But, but, but when we see Jesus interact with people and when we see examples of Jesus, what we do is we think about um, the miracles he's performing, you know, all of these acts of service. And that's how Jesus loved people. Um, and there's just something about serving people um, that just does something for your soul. What we see here, and, and I know I have to use this word once a sermon, so bear with me. We see a blueprint. Jesus showed us that the easiest way to love and care and nurture others is to be in servitude to them, to do something for them that, that may brighten their day or may help them out um, or may help them out of a bad situation. My friends, to serve others is one of the most pure forms of love that we can find. It's, you know, Jesus did that, and that's what I want to do. Um, which brings up point number two. If Jesus is serving others, that is an action, right? Point number two is this. Love is an action. And I think that's kind of counterintuitive of how we think about loving others, right? Um, Disney has told me, and like the, the notebook and like all of these other things, like yes, I'm a, I'm a hopeless romantic. Like I actually love um, what do they call those movies, Michelle, um, that you chicks like? Romantic comedies. I'm a big rom-com guy, right? Like, I, I'm a sucker for a good love story. And consequently, um, and that's why I say, like, Disney all the way up, we're taught to believe that, like, love is out there and it's just going to come to us. And that's true to a point. But is that how that worked for any of you guys that are in relationships? And is that how it works, any of my people who have been married a long time? Like, love is an action. It, it, it requires movement. It requires us to go out and pursue someone or something. Um, it doesn't just sit there and come to us. The, and I say to a point because the only um, love that is, again, freely available to us is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Everything else requires some action on our part, right? Right? Because here's the thing I figured out about love and relationships and all of these, um, because I'm really bad at a lot of them. Feelings fade. So when I love somebody, um, or, or we're in like the honeymoon phase of a relationship, we'll just use that as an example. How many of my married people still, how long does that last? Right? Feelings fade, and um, eventually you, you have to live with this person and you have to act um, with this person and you have to do life with this person um, and they're dirty and they're smelly and they fart and do all of that stuff. And um, what you find is that it takes a little more action to love people sometimes. Agreed? Like a lot of my relationships, sometimes I don't like those people, but I still love them, right? They're, you go through spurts in life where you don't like somebody, but you still love them. Why is that? Because you make a conscious decision and put it into action that I love this person, so I'm going to work towards them, right? And that's, that's where we see like a lot of relationships fail. 
That's where we see um, a lot of marriages fail, um, a lot of work relationships, whatever you have, it fails because people can't get past the part where, okay, this person I thought I knew um, is not themselves anymore. That's probably because the feelings that we feel towards them, the strong honeymoon feelings we have, are not there anymore because that's, it, it, that's just not realistic. And most likely what happened is one or both of you have stopped trying to act for each other. And that's not just something that's exclusive with marriage. Any good relationship, anytime you have to love somebody, there's going to be times where you have to love them even when you don't want to. That, my friends, is action. Um, and I'm not just talking about acts of service. Does acts of service sound familiar to anybody here? I'm a firm believer, so you guys ever heard of the love languages? So really, and again, there's different theories and a different amount of these, but really there's, and I'm going to have to think of these off the top of my head because I'm a freestyling here. This wasn't in my notes. Um, but there's four types of ways um, that can summarize how we like to be loved. And most of us fall into one or maybe a couple of these categories, right? There's, um, and Mitch, yell these out for me too. There's acts of service. Um, I, what'd you say, Michelle? Words of affirmation, which is a big one, right? Um, words of affirmation, acts of service, gift giving. And what's the other one? Yeah, like, like physical touch, like hug. And, and most of us, perfect. Thank you guys so much for doing my sermon for me tonight. Um, those are ways that we like to love people. And the theory behind that, or those are ways that we like to be loved, right? And the theory behind that is not only are those ways that we like to be loved, but our love languages like, uh, show how we also love others and like to be loved. So when I say that love is an action, I'm not just talking about acts of service. What I'm talking about is that um, there needs to be some sort of effort behind what we are doing for each other. I mean, usually that comes when we don't want to do those things or when we're not happy with that person or when we're struggling or when we're having differences, right? Don't confuse the fact of me saying that love is an action as it, well, I just need to perform more acts of service for my spouse or my partner or whatever. That may be how they want to be loved, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. What we see through the love of Jesus Christ is that he went out of his way and put in such an immense effort to love other people, even when it was at a cost to him. And that's what I mean when I say love is an action. It takes something within us to go out and do that at a sacrifice to me, right? So what's gonna happen in the rest of this story, right, is what we're gonna see, and I'm gonna summarize like five or 10 verses here to get to the kind of the last part of, of this verse um, or, or of this reading. But what we see is that Jesus and Peter start having a conversation here. And, and P, Jesus is basically, um, P, Peter asks Jesus if he's going to wash his feet, and Jesus tells him he is, and they start going through this. And Jesus starts painting the picture to him that Peter will betray him the next day. Um, he's, it's a lot of symbolism and things like that, but, but that's the conversation that's going on. And then we pick up here in verse 12 where it says this. When he had finished um, washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? 
he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet, right? So he's saying, take my example here, and he's not, you know, this is a metaphor. See what I'm doing? This is what I want you guys to carry on um, after I leave. He's setting an example for them as a leader. I've set an example um, that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant, is, I love this so much, no servant is greater than his master, nor, you see an act of service here, right? Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that I know these things, you will be, you will be blessed if you do it. Here's the point that I truly want to make with you guys here. Peter's going to go on to betray Jesus. We all know that story, right? Um, he's going to deny Jesus. Um, he's going to leave the crowd of disciples, and we're going to see Jesus do the same thing, and we're going to see the rest of the disciples um, go and run and um, hide, right? The, the interesting thing I, I love about the cross, and this tells you the power of a good woman in your life, is really the only people who didn't leave Jesus in his time of need were the women in his life. Um, but we're going to see these guys, right, run, betray Jesus, become scared. Um, and the main thing I think about when I think about that example is they left each other and they left Jesus and his teachings, uh, and it was momentarily, but they left each other and they left their community. They left what they were taught, they left what they, were knew, what they knew, um, and they became individuals, right? The community that they had built for, for uh, while they were following Jesus in his ministry, in a second, when they met a little adversity, had been broken. And it tells me one thing. Like, Peter betrayed Jesus because he didn't have his community with him. He didn't have Jesus. He didn't have that confidence and the love and all of that is built, or all that that was built as they followed Jesus, as they were taught by Jesus. And it tells me one thing, and it's rang true my entire life. I don't think there's any example that's been true to this in my life. Speak up if you object or put it in the comments. We are products of our environment, right? We, um, we become like the things that we are around, and I think that's really powerful. We're products of our environment, but what does that mean? What does your circle mean? Like, what does an environment look like to you guys? Um, it's not just the place we're in, but it's the people we're around um, and the things we're listening to and the, the things that our eyes and our ears are consuming. That encapsulates our environment. And that's so vitally important because we are products of our environment. I wholeheartedly believe that if Peter had some of his brothers with him, um, maybe he would have been a little more confident to stand up for Jesus, right? Um, if Judas maybe had some, wasn't alone and by himself and um, in his own head, if he had that community that was with him the whole time before this, maybe he wouldn't have betrayed Jesus. Right, we know this was all in the plan, but I think there is some symbolism here that your community matters because each and every one of you guys are a product of the things that are around you and the people that are around you. And that's vitally important because we think sometimes, 
um, that we can sit at home and consume, and, and I, this is not a knock to you guys watching online. The, one of the beautiful things about technology is we can bring it to you in your home. But that's not gonna fully fulfill the needs that you have in your life to be with good, godly people around you, and sometimes we make the mistake of thinking um, that if I watch one YouTube video in the morning and I read a little bit of my Bible that I'm doing this Christianity thing, right? And it was never meant for us to consume alone. Everything that was put in place, all these actions you see of Jesus, we were meant to love together. What we see in the Bible time and time and time again from the Old Testament, like we're going through the Torah series now in the morning, um, and we're going through this in the, in, in the New Testament, but what we see time and time and time again is that the devil get peop, gets people away from their community, and when people get alone, they start reverting back to some of their natural factory settings that are, put, uh, that are installed within us, which are sinful. And that's where we see people start to make drastic mistakes in their life. And that's where we see people start to get so far away from God that betraying him is no big deal because there's no sight of him right now in my life. We've talked about it, and it was one of my favorite sermons that I've personally preached up here, is that catastrophic, catastrophic things don't just happen in our lives, right? Like, I don't just wake up doing what I'm supposed, you know, the day before have done everything that I was supposed to be doing and doing it right, and wake up to catastrophe the next day, right? Um, these catastrophic things happen in our lives, one, because we took one step at a time for a long time away from Jesus. What I want you guys to understand, you are products of your environment. So when I ask you guys, like, hey, bring people in, that's not just for people outside of this church. Like, we want to reach those people, but there's something that happens inside of you guys when you help people find Jesus, there's something that happens um, when somebody teaches you something, and there's something just as powerful that happens when you teach somebody something. I'm a firm believer that all of us, and I teach this to my guys at work all the time, not only do you need a mentor, but you need to be mentoring somebody in your life. That is the power and the blueprint that like Jesus set up here, right? We saw many times where he was mentoring these, these disciples, um, and teaching them, and then he asked them to go out and do the same thing. You need that kind of community in your life. Because here, here's the, the last importance that I'm gonna paint about, the, um, about having the right people in your life. Anybody familiar with the story? Um, it's in Luke 5, it's in Mark chapter 2. Um, but there was a paralyzed man, and, and Jesus was out teaching to the community, and he had such a following that day that, that um, crowds were backed up and um, there was no way you were getting within 10 feet of the guy. So the, uh, there's this paralyzed man and his friends are carrying him around and they, they've heard that Jesus heals and they heard that he's this loving guy and he's going out and doing these things. So their, their master plan is, is to take him to Jesus so that he can be healed. And... Um, they get there and see that the crowd is immense, so they hatch this plan, right? They cut a hole in, in the ceiling in which Jesus is in their teaching, right? So Jesus is in this small house teaching, and then there's five times the crowd outside surrounding this house. So the only way they could get to him is to cut a hole in the ceiling, right? 
What do we see here? Number one, I'm going to go back to a point here. There's some action going on in this love, right? I've, I would venture to say that I've probably, uh, maybe besides Jeff, take Jeff out of the equation, I've probably cut more holes in roofs than anybody here, like easily put together. Um, it's a lot of work, right? And it, it just takes like this action. And sorry, I have to throw one humble brag in there um, about being a fireman. One, one a sermon, okay? Um, firemen are like vegans. You can't ever have a conversation with them without them telling you they're a fireman. Um, but they cut this hole in the roof and they lower this guy down to Jesus. And long story short, what happens is Jesus, Jesus tells these guys, he heals this man, but he makes the point that he's healing them. Uh, he's not only healing this man, but he's forgiving those guys of their sins and cleansing them because of their faith. And that, my friends, is the importance of the community around you. That's the importance of you being a product of your environment, is the fact that Jesus healed this man, not on his own faith, but based off the faith of his friends. Do you start to see the power of the people that you have around you and the people that you have in your life? So this brings me really to my third and final point. If you want to change your circumstances, if you want to change the way you love or the way you are loved, you have to change your environment. If life isn't going well for a lot of you in here, and um, we all go through these seasons, right? But maybe you're somebody new online or maybe you're somebody new here that things just aren't going your way. It's probably because you need to change something in your life. There's someone or something that is holding you back from Jesus, from the love of Jesus, um, from the comfort of Jesus, from the peace of Jesus. And it's very easy in theory to change that for yourself. It's like losing weight. And I say this a lot on stage too. Losing weight in theory is very easy, right? If I eat right and I exercise, I'm probably gonna melt off some pounds. But then I get up in the morning and I have to run and it's cold. Um, and I live in Ramos, so those, there's those little goat heads that are all in my shoes, and like, it's hard, right? So I'm like, screw this, I'll just go eat cake, right? In theory, it's easy to lose weight, just like in theory, it's easy to change your environment, but in, in reality, it takes some work on your part. It takes some work to go and, and tell people that you've partied and you've ran around with for a long time that that's not you anymore. And I know because I've gone through that like immensely. Um, and, and it takes work for you to go out and, and tell maybe your girlfriend of a long time that, that you're gonna start practicing um, celibacy or any of those things that is asked of you. My, my point is this. If you want to change your environment, it's going to take some willpower on your part, but it's gonna be the best thing you ever did. Um, because... More than anything, like if we're, if we're feeling not loved, and I'm gonna give you an example here in a second, um, there's something in our way that's preventing it, right? Because the, the theme of this whole sermon series is gonna be that love is actually freely available to all of us. We just have to decide if we want to receive it or not. Because each and every one of you was so important to the creator of the universe that he sent his son to die for us. Um, so viewing love in that lens 
it's freely available and we have it, there are just things in our way that are preventing us from feeling it. Um, and that's what I mean by change your environment. And I love preaching that up here on, on this stage because Save the Cowboy is a perfect place to do that. And we go through this, um, we fight this a lot because, and, and I'm guilty of it myself, but the name Save the Cowboy kind of can turn some people away. People talk to us all about, about it all the time because they think if they're not actually a working ranch cowboy that they cannot come in here and be welcomed. And that can't be further from the truth. Like my ongoing joke is that uh, I call this Save the Welder because we have more people here who are like professional welders than our professional cowboys. We have more firemen and, and police officers and um, people that work in an office and all of these things and we do working ranch cowboys. This is just a group for a bunch of people who love the Western style of life and love Jesus and wanna find community of like-minded people and all are welcome to enjoy that. So I say I love preaching that from this stage because um, I can't think of any better community for somebody who's maybe a little rough around the edges, um, maybe people who are struggling. Like, you have a place here. And we're gonna come here and we're gonna welcome you and we're gonna pray for you and we're gonna love you and things like that, but we're also gonna push you. We're also gonna hold you accountable. All of those things come with love. And we talked about it last week, right? I can't say I love you if I don't hold you accountable to um, what you're supposed to be doing. In fact, that's the most deep kind of love, right? Is when you can tell somebody lovingly that they're doing wrong um, and they can tell you the same thing. So I just want to say, like, you guys are in the right place. And this is a beautiful place to bring people in and to fill Jesus and to fill these things in your life. For a lot of people here and in this ministry, um, a lot of this is their life. And the one thing I can tell you is, is not all of them are working professional ranch cowboys. We have a lot of horse people. We have, certainly have a lot of dog people. Um, but this is a great place for you guys to come and find a diverse background of people who love Jesus and who will love you. Um, and that'll be a beautiful way for you guys to change your environment. Because we're products of our environment, right? If you want to change your circumstances, you have to change your environment. So in closing, I want to, I heard this from another sermon a while ago and I started studying this guy um, and it's a really interesting story, but there's this um, professor who's now actually um, deceased, but he was a professor out of USC University, South Carol uh, California, not South Carolina. Mitch will laugh at that one. Um, Clemson's the elite program in, in the Carolinas, and there's no other college there. They all suck. Um, but the University of South Carolina in the 1960s had this um, professor there. And he, he was a psychologist, so he taught a lot of psychology classes, um, had a ton of students. I would imagine this is during the uh, free love period in California, so I'd, I'd imagine he had pretty packed classes. And he goes on to tell this story that he's, he's teaching, and for whatever reason, like he's just not resonating with people. I understand his struggle sometimes, that's just me venting up here. Um, but there's one girl, and I, I, th I think he said she was in the fifth row. 
And this girl was just always attentive, nodding her head, smiling. Like if any of you teach, you know, like um, you kind of feed off the energy of people too. And I can tell like the ones that are sleeping. I'm, I'm just joking. I don't know why I pointed over there. None of them are sleeping. But you can tell like the ones who I have and who I'm captivating and who are listening and the ones that are just zoned out. I've been teaching for a long time. So he noticed like this girl is very intuitive and, and is, is really receiving him well. So they, they start to build a teacher-student relationship and he really enjoys this, um, her being one of his students. And what happens is, is as that semester went on, he didn't see her for a week and then he didn't see her for two weeks and he didn't see her for three weeks. Um, so he, he kind of asked around, which was really weird. He's like, or it was really weird for her to not be there. So he, he asks around, and, and long story short, what he finds out is that um, this girl in his psychology class had, end up t- had ended up taking her own life. And he was so um, affected by that, um, that that he actually created this course that is still used at USC today. So this was in the 60s, and this course is still used today. And it was called um, Love 101, it's called Love 1A. And uh, um, basically, he decided that he was really going to re- research the foundations of loving somebody and what it meant, and he was going to teach those people how to do that. Um, so the first semester he does this, it was an uncredited class, right? Raise your hand if you went to college and took uncredited classes, right? None of us. Like, I'm not doing any work unless there's something in it for me. I don't want to be in college in the first place. Um, but what he found was this class was packed, um, so people are coming just freely taking this class, and, um, and he was doing some un- unorthodox things. Like, one of the things I-, I found he was asking people to do was like, hey, you want to learn to love? Go in and-, and have lunch and a conversation with somebody you disagree with this week. So that was our homework assignment. I mean, he would do unorthodox things like um, to teach them that they kind of have to work for love and, and that it's-, it's not just an easy thing. He held class from 7 p.m., and it would go sometimes well into 1 in the morning, things like that. But this, pa- this class was packed. Um, and what this, professor, um, what this professor found was that uh, a couple things. One, he found that love was freely available. When he interviewed like the, this girl's family who took her life, he found he's like, wow, they have so much love for her. Um, she just didn't feel it. So one of the things he instituted was a hugging rule, and that's, he actually, he has two nicknames, um, and uh, his name was Leo Biscaglia, but people called him Dr. Love and Dr. Hug. So he instituted a thing where he would just hug people, and if you guys know me, like people that come to church here, it's the weirdest thing, like I'm just a big hugger. And if I don't hug you, like if you acknowledge me, most likely I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder or give you a tap on the back. Like, because I believe, one, the, the body craves contact, but, the, but to hug people and show people that you care about them is like an ultimate form of passing on love that they may not receive anywhere else. Um, another thing he found was, one, that, that, um, that love was available People just weren't feeling it for some reason. 
And I've listened to that story and I thought a lot about like the application of this. Like, I don't know if, if, if Dr. Love or Dr. Hug was a, a, a Christian. I, I would imagine based on politics and where he taught and um, some of that stuff that maybe he wasn't. But that story and the things they're doing is exactly how Jesus calls us to love to serve others, to help others, um, even if it's at a cost to us. And that's the kind of love that is available to each and every one of you. Jesus loved you, and he knew every single time that you would fall short of what he asked you to do, or you would betray him like Peter or like Judas. The trick with Christianity, um, and where you start to realize whether you have a ton of spiritual maturity or not, is not loving Jesus, it's loving Judas, right? Because Jesus does. And the, the interesting thing is that that's the love that is available to each and every one of you guys. Um, you are deeply loved. You are deeply cared about. You're loved so much. Um, I'm loved so much, like I said, that, that Jesus knew I would grow up to be a bozo, and he still loves me and still gives me opportunities. And every single time that I've turned a cold shoulder to him or I've walked 50,000 steps towards disaster in my life, he has still been with me every step of that way. Who else loves us like that? Who else um, um, can be spat on in the face and still want to be next to you and love you and die for you? My friends, you guys are loved people. I promise you I love you. I, I don't say it unless I mean it. But more importantly, um, Jesus loved you. The God of this universe loves you so much. Um, and may we never forget that. Like as we go on in our week, there are people in here who are going to struggle, um, who are not in good places in their life. And I just want you guys to remember you are a product of your environment. You are loved. Um, and maybe we just need to define love a little bit more in our lives. And the best place to do that is to, to get into um, prayer, is to get into your Bible and really have people around you that demonstrate what that means. And I want to invite everybody who, who needs that in their life to come, come talk to us. Come talk to me. Come talk to Mitch. Um, Come here on Sunday evenings and give your life to Jesus. It'll, it's the best decision you will ever make um, if you really want love and peace in your life. That's the blueprint, my friends. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we just thank you um, that you are a God of love and that, that you knew everything about me. You knew the number of hairs on my head. And more importantly, you knew that I would turn from you and I would run from you and I will do those things, Lord. And you love me unconditionally in that way that you, you would make that sacrifice for me. Lord, my prayer is that, that, that we feel that as a church and we feel that as Christians this week and that, that we return the favor, Lord, that we go out and we love others and we bring them in and we be a shining light in community to people who do, so desperately need it, Lord. Because... If current events tell us anything, it's that this world needs godly love that Jesus demonstrated for us every single day. And may we be lights for that um, in regard um, to what you have done for us in our life. 
I pray a, a, a prayer of protection upon this ministry and upon these people that, that, that they realize you're always with them as they go into their week and as they struggle and as they feel alone or feel overwhelmed or underappreciated, that they remember, Lord, that your love is free to them if they just accept it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.